Totally Football Show. Today, think Trump's thing looks scary? Wait till you see our one-eyed monster say Liverpool as Firmino settles stormy affair at Anfield. Elsewhere, there's everything from Ronaldo scratches to burn matches to Man City collapses and Spurs undone at San Siro with the worst passing stats since the Balrog with Gandalf. All of that plus what awaits this weekend in the Premier League with, amongst other things, West Ham hosting Chelsea. It's the Totally Football Show. All right, listener, thanks ever so much for joining us. I promise it's going to be a bit special today. First of all, because we've got some brilliant stories to discuss. Secondly, because we've got some amazing people to do it. Uh, Julien Laurent, par exemple. Hello. Hello to you, Jules. We've got James Horncastle, your colleague on the excellent BT Goals show. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Indeed. Good to have you with us, James. And Apacabar, oily sailor, as they say in Singapore, where you've just come back from Duncan Alexander. Hello. Yeah, I have. Brilliant. You were working there for Fox Sports Asia. I was, yeah. Apacaba to our listeners in Singapore. Did you meet many totally listeners? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, there were quite a few people uh, singing the show's praises. Really? Rightly so. Well, that's so very sweet of them. Here's Michael Barrett, who's a fan. He says, please, can you do a stats-free episode? They get in the way of the interesting stuff. Duncan, that's not possible. I mean, I, I'll just they go, are the interesting I? stuff. I mean, they're the fabric of life. Yeah, absolutely. They're very building blocks of our, our football understanding. You've got a good Champions League stat, haven't you, Jules? Yeah, I mean, I forgot to mention it on the um, that excellent goal show that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about AK Athens. Yes. who were the only team in Champions League history to have one year drawn all their games in the group stages, like six games, six draws. So I think point, it's pretty Michael cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's super cool. It is. I think good. it's super cool. Yeah, I mean, they some... lost against Ajax, so they're not going to do it again this year. And right. it was in '02 or '03, I think, so a long time ago. But I actually think it's super cool. I'm not sure if you looked up the definition of super cool in the dictionary. It would be <laughs> AK Athens. And beaten in Champions League. Six yeah. games, six draws. All right, then, Duncan, give Jules a really super cool stat. Well, you might have seen this one uh, on Up to Joe, but we had two English debutants for overseas teams in the Champions League uh, this week, uh, Jaden Sancho and Reese Nelson. Um, so that's seven and eight, and the, the previous six are quite an eclectic bunch, um, heavily influenced by Graham Souness's glorious reign at Benfica, uh, where he gave Champions League debuts to Brian Dean, Michael Thomas and Scott Minto. Oh, Scott Minto. Yeah. Interesting. OK, now, all that's all well and good, but... Probably the most exciting thing to talk about after this midweek we've had is Liverpool's 3-2 win over Paris Saint-Germain. Sabino. And still... A lot of excitement in the build-up about the front threes, but for Mino aside, they weren't the story. Sturridge, the extraordinary James Milner... Meunier, Mbappé, and then Firmino stepping in to resolve things. So much to enjoy in this game, most of it involving James Milner, particularly (laughs) that shimmy he does on Neymar. Yeah, one of the uh, outstanding pieces of skill of uh, match day one, uh, as we call the opening week of the the Champions League. But uh, I was equally impressed by uh, Liverpool's two fullbacks, Andy Robertson and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I think... uh, forgotten uh, sometimes amid the spending spree of the summer and you know they're not the most glamorous high profile players and yet you know they dealt fairly well with 
Kylian Mbappe and, and Neymar. Um, and, you know, what's ever thrown at those two guys? We saw it in the Champions League last year. They seem to cope with it really, really well. Mm. It's Liverpool's sixth win in a row. The first time they've put together a run like that at the start of the season since 1961. They are for real, Duncan. They are. I mean, Milner, who would have expected Milner to become the dominant Champions League force of the modern era? I mean, He's he replaced Xavi in the Esther. <laughs> yeah, he, but he, you know, last season he had the most assists, equaled mm. the record for assists in a season, and like you say, completely dominated the other night. It was also good to see Daniel Sturridge start and score. Um, quite weird, I feel, because like he's almost like a remnant of another good Liverpool team, the sort of Suarez Sterling team, and to see him kind of just slot into that lineup um, with aplomb was good. All right. Unlike last season when the successes were kind of because Salah, this time the win came despite him. And he was furious about that. Do you think he was, James? Oh, I don't know. What was that all about? Slamming the bottles. He celebrated first and then... Yeah. Well, well, no, he did. You could yeah, see well, him. Yeah, he did. You could hmm. see this bit. All right. I not mean, the most controversial goal celebration we saw at Anfield because that's uh, Daniel Sturridge's, surely. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. Some certain amount of frustration with his own performance, surely, uh, for Mo Salah. I imagine that scenes in the PSG dressing room afterwards must have been pretty similar. Now, there's been all sorts of damning criticism of their performance. Jonathan Wilson, for example, writing in The Guardian, PSG football is not Thomas Tuchel football. It may not even be football. They do seem, as Jonathan says, like a team that hasn't learned any of the lessons of previous Champions League campaigns, Jules. Yeah, I wonder what Jonathan Wilson made of Manchester City uh, last night. Let's just concentrate but, on Paris yeah. Saint-Germain, shall we, here? That's weird. And, and ten, I mean, they were 10 seconds away from, from drawing two all at Liverpool, which I didn't think would be a bad result. I mean, I understand there was a lot of bad things or negative things about their performance, right. and yet they didn't really play as a team, and Neymar and Mbappe didn't attack enough, and they were not really effective going forwards, although they were involved in PSG's second goal. Uh, uh, but I think a lot of people in this country have been really harsh on, on the performance by PSG. I, I didn't think Liverpool played that much better. What did they say in France about it? No, I mean, there's still a lot of work for Tuchel to do. The the thing is that the recruitment in the summer was not where it should have been, especially in recruiting a number six, because in that position, they're really light. And when Marco Verratti is not there because he was suspended on Tuesday, for example, and Tuchel has to play Marquinhos, who is, like he said himself, I'm not Verratti and I'm not Thiago Mota either. So he's a centre-half who has to play there, who's not very comfortable playing there. But yet, despite all those problems, there were two holes at Liverpool in the 92nd minute. And if, if Kylian Mbappe doesn't lose that ball very cheaply, mm. he's not that stupid, they, they keep that point and it's a very good point away from home and then everything, what, what everybody would have said would have been completely different than, than all that bashing. No, that, that's certainly true. Having said that, looking at that performance and looking at the performance of particularly of Mbappe, who I know you were getting frustrated with, and Neymar, I mean, Thomas Munier making comments about we have to play more as a, a, a team, you must feel that it is essentially unsustainable for PSG to have a front three that doesn't contribute to the, the, to the rest of the team's performance, and Cavani certainly included in that. Yeah, def- I mean, definitely. I think defensively, they defended at seven in a game like that against a team like Liverpool you just can't it's not possible and I think if Liverpool had played at their best and I think if Firmino had started it would have been a different game and, and PSG would have been battered because you just at that level you have to your two wide players whoever they are how good they are have to defend more and if Robertson and Alexander-Arnold were so good as well especially going forward is because they were 2v1 every single time you know one with Salah and the other one with Mane against the two PSG fullbacks because Neymar and Mbappe did nothing defensively so um, there's a lot of things for Tuchel to look into I think he was happy after the game that this performance came so early and not for example against 
you know, much later in the competition, like let's say the last 16, like it was last season against Real Madrid, where right. we were saying the same thing. It was it was Rabiot and not Meunier after the, the defeat against Real Madrid who was saying we need to play more as a team. It's exactly mm. the same words. So nothing has changed really with a new manager and same players really a year on. So it's a lot of things to address for him. But right. I just don't think everything was so bad because they were still too old in the 92nd minute. That's fair. They are bottom of the group but only one point behind behind the second and third place teams because uh, Red Star and Napoli played out a goalless draw in Belgrade. Duncan, I think you wanted to add something on this. Yeah, I just think we could probably be a little bit you know more critical of them they did score two goals but their second goal uh, was their first shot since the first goal and there was quite a big gap i.e. nearly a half of football between them so that wasn't great and and just to back up your point about the space the fullbacks got um, Alexander-Arnold made 11 crosses which was more mm. than he makes normally uh, and more than PSG managed in total so yeah he, they just had too much time Liverpool be trying to make it seven wins in a row this weekend when they take on Saints at home and after that, they've got that incredible run of Chelsea twice, once mm. in the League Cup, once in the league, then Napoli away, yeah. and then City. That is a run, isn't it? 7th, yeah, which is a pretty incredible run. All right, well, we'll talk about uh, their prospects against Saints perhaps a little bit later on. After this, more of that Champions League action. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. A lot of people saying Premier League sides, it's their year in Europe ahead of match day one but Liverpool and Man United notwithstanding didn't really turn out that way <laughs> ah that puts a smile back on your face Jules Maxwell Corne and Nabil Fekir sparking the surprise of the first round beating one of the favourites Man City Leon Jules Leon even Cannes scored two goals against them. Yeah. Why couldn't Man City? I think the lack of um, competition in the Premier League, you know, the lack of intensity is clearly <laughs> an issue for Manchester City when you came to big, you know, big games in big competition like the Champions League, clearly. It was just incredible. I think, you know, Lyon were as good as I've seen them play for a long time. And on the other hand, City were far from there. Best, obviously, very sloppy. I think they were very complacent and they took this Lyon team very lightly which I don't think you can do in a, in a Champions League match, even at home. I think the fact, that, the fact that Pep Guardiola was in the stand and not being able to do anything during the match at mm. halftime as well... What, what would you have done? ...was an you, issue. Or what do you think he would have done? I just, I just don't think the players would have had a grilling with Mikel Arteta in a similar way they would have a grilling at halftime by Pep Guardiola. Right. I think he would have laid into them big time. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know what happened. He'd have probably but, said guys quite a lot. And he would have said Fekir... Yeah, a yeah, lot. a lot. Fekir, what a performance from him. Uh, Paul Scholes is my hero. They want you to wax lyrical jewels about Ndombele. Incredible. He was, it, Spurs were really, really keen on him in the summer. And uh, Lyon, who had him on loan with a, with a, a buyout close, like an automatic buyout close for this summer, we're never going to sell him now because he's still only 21. That was his first ever Champions League match. You're kidding. And he just looked so good. I mean, going forward, he's so strong. And yet he's, he's like a Patrick Vieira type of player because he's so powerful and yet so good technically on the ball. I think the way, the way Lyon played that game was obviously suited to his qualities in midfield. And he recovered, I think, got the ball back seven times. Job was at 10, 10 recovery of the ball. And then they played their play in transition was so good. Fekir was amazing because of the way he was able to keep the ball up, which means that his team had a breather thanks to Fekir. 
And then they scored two goals. Depay hit the, the post for would have been 3-0. Uh, and it was just an incredible evening for them, considering how struggling they've been in the league. To go to City and do that with the manager under pressure, who had a, you know, a, a hell of a week before with mm. an altercation with a fan, you know, insulting the fan and what all that. With the fan? So he went out for his birthday, Bruno Genesio, which is fair enough. He, his daughter was uh, partying in a nightclub, so he thought it was a good idea to go there and meet her and, and other friends. I bet she was happy with that. She was quite happy. Apparently, she asked him to come. Really? Fair enough. So the problem is when you go to those public places, there's uh. often a lot of people who have drunk a lot before. And not all of them might be quite keen on the job that you're doing as a new manager. And certainly this guy wasn't. So he got into a bit of a heating argument with that fan. Right. Genizio. He ended up outside because it was getting so heated that they were chucked out of the nightclub. Damn. And outside, he basically wanted to fight with him and started insulting his mum and stuff like that. Who did? Genizio insulted yeah, the other fellow's mother. Yeah, the new manager. And obviously all of that was filmed, put on social media. And it doesn't. It's not really the the you know. If you're a Lyon fan, you want your that owner. kind of passion, I think, in your manager. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he came under a lot of pressure at the, at the game against Caen at the weekend. Uh-huh. That didn't go down well at all. And this game was huge for him, for the team, and everything. And in fairness, his his game plan and his tactics worked perfectly. Oh, indeed they did. And Lyon are now top of the group with City bottom, but again only a point behind after Shakhtar and Hoffenheim played out a very entertaining a 2-2 draw in the other game in that group. The worrying thing though from City's point of view was this was kind of expected to be their easiest fixture and they blew it. So what's going to happen when they travel to Ukraine or, or, or Germany? Mm. Yeah, I mean they've got a weird record at the moment in the Champions League. That was their fourth defeat in a row. Obviously lost the dead rubber against Basel and then two against Liverpool than this one um, but given Guardiola's come out in the summer and said he's been working specifically on you know how to win the Champions League and how to approach the Champions League um, it's not a good start that's right listeners no champion has ever started the group phase with a defeat that is true have some of that Man City one positive can I say for City was Elira Sani's performance did he look like he cared if they won or lost? Oh, he did, yeah. And he, he certainly made a difference when he came on. I don't know why he didn't start. That was a really weird one, I think. Uh, but when he, he looked so lively and so good when he came on. And he brought them back into the game with a great assist for Bernardo Silva. And he always looked like he was the only one who could have you know, get, got a second goal or created a second goal for City to definitely come back in the match. OK. City with the most embarrassing collapse this week in Europe. Hold my beer, say Spurs, <laughs> as they travel to San Siro. We'll talk about that after this. Ah, San Siro, Tuesday night. And un popolo nerazzurro, eager for the Champions League to start again. The emotion welling up at this grand old stadium. Finally back in the big time, the Nerazzurri, and taking on Spurs. Spurs couldn't pass the ball, but they were still 1-0 up with just five minutes to play, thanks to the efforts of Inter's goalkeeper, James. Yeah, Samadhi Handanovic, who handed them the lead, uh, you might say, should really have uh, palmed that uh, Christian Eriksen deflected effort over the bar. Um, But... uh, I think Spurs had the game under control and um, they've been accused in the papers in Italy of being a little bit presumptuous and underestimating their opponent and where they were playing. Um, you know, that um, once Icardi got that goal, mm. Inter really believed and San Siro was rocking. And some criticism Pochettino, not only for kind of leaving Trippi and Alderweireld at home, um, but also taking off Kane for Danny Rose uh, towards the end. Um, and again... 
you know they they conceded from a from a set piece and you know i think uh cows would be saying that you know even if spurs players were watching you know corners or free kicks coming in their box for 10 years they they perhaps still wouldn't learn how to defend them a cheeky reference there to possibly the most puzzling quote of the week from <laughs> Mauricio Pochettino since Eric Cantona's seagulls yeah since Eric Cantona's seagulls although I think I, there's, I got a glimmer of understanding about what Cantona was referring True. to but I really can you just break it down again <laughs> what did Pochettino actually say a cow can watch a train going by for 10 years mm. but if you ask a cow when the train is coming by they won't say anything yeah. because they're a cow so, so he's <laughs> saying that there's, there's, there's more um, to life and football than experience. There are other things that go into a, a performance. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, well, sp- speaking of cows, what followed Icardi's equaliser w- was the greatest minutes of Inter since, since Moo's time, uh, <laughs> if, if you will. Uh, and, and it climaxed with, as you say, yet another set piece which uh, Spurs conceded at, courtesy of Matthias Vecino, and it sounded like this. <laughs> That commentary, James, has sparked controversy in Italy. Yeah, um, it's actually the the feature of sort of editorial pages in in broadsheet newspapers as to you know they've they've breached they've gone beyond the kind of limits of decency in in how wildly they celebrated uh, this goal, um, you know just just shouting and shrieking and uh, yeah, just generally letting their emotions get the better of them. But uh, I enjoyed it. Suspect that in the nineteen nineties, a Serie A team wouldn't get that excited about being well, they wouldn't be playing Tottenham for starters. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. Inter's first Champions League game for, for six and a half years, uh, 62,000 there. You know, I think uh, this was both peak Spurs mm. and peak Inter. Um, in, in, you, know, you get everything you kind of expect from both of them, I suppose. We'll, we'll talk more about Inter's performance in the really fascinating edition of Golazzo this week, in which we also explore how Kiova went from good guys to very much bad guys. And also... Well, one- Oh, in Gabriele's case, bad guys to bad to guys. Bad guys. <laughs> and, and also why Ivan Casidis has just walked out on Arsenal for Milan. But in, in terms of Spurs, that's now their third straight defeat. Tim Sherwood-esque. Right. Are we allowed we to bust out the crisis klaxon at this point, Duncan? Or do yeah. we have to wait until Brighton this weekend? I think Brighton is a good litmus test of crises. Um, obviously, Manchester United furthered their mini-crisis, which they now seem to be out of uh, at Brighton. I mean, the, the Kane thing is the big... Uh, the big issue. I mean, he didn't have a single shot in that game um, and was left on for the whole game. Obviously, he had that, that chance when he took it around Handanovic, but, you know, sort of messed it up. And he just looks completely off the pace. Um, a man who was averaging five shots a game last season is now, you know, nearly under two per game this year. Wow. But what alternative does Pochettino have? Would you, would you rest him and play, what, Son as a false number well, nine? that's the problem, isn't it? They, you know, when you don't buy any new players, you are reliant on your current players kicking on. I still have your ante. Yeah. So now, as we were travelling uh, back from the Gold Show on Tuesday, we were party to a radio phone-in, James, in which Spurs fans or professed Spurs fans were suggesting a change of manager or hinting that Pochettino has lost the dressing room. It was kind of surreal to listen to, mm. but 
could there be an element of truth in some of this, the, the way that some Spurs players are, are performing? And, and what was behind the decision to leave for Tongan and Trippier at home? Well, I, I don't know whether it was it was punitive in in so far as you know, their performances against Liverpool were were taken into account in that, or whether they were just tired and fatigued after going to semi-finals of the the, the World Cup. Um, but then again, yeah, that is also a case for leaving Kane on the bench or doing something different there. Um, I just wonder, Pochettino has been at Spurs for a while now and we hear lots of other managers make the case that after three years it's time to move on because things start to go stale. Your message no longer is as penetrative as it was once before. And I think I think that's partly true. I think other managers who've stayed at clubs beyond three or four years, their clubs do them a helping hand by freshening things up, by bringing in new players or, or helping them achieve a different direction with the recruitment that they make in the transfer market. That's why Simeone, for example, is still at Atletico Madrid, keeps them competitive. It's why Allegri is still at Juventus and keeps them competitive. Mm. That hasn't happened at Spurs. So I do think there's, that there is perhaps an element of staleness. With, with all of that, though, probably by Christmas we'll have forgotten all about this? Yeah, I, I, perhaps. OK. In which case, let's move on. Spurs prepare to go down to Brighton this weekend. After this, though, we're going to talk about more of the excitement midweek, a midweek that was rich in drama with everything from somebody winning 28-0 to Benfica giving Bayern's second goal a polite round of applause. Why? We'll find out after this. He lines up to hit it and yes! It's deflected for a corner. That's over 12 corners. Yes! <coughs> No time to take it, though. It's finished nil-nil. What a result. Sorry, our fault. You see, with same-game multi-bets from Paddy Power, you can combine multiple selections from one match into one bet, and you'll get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold same-game multi-bet lets you down. Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. Applies to pre-match four-fold same-game multi-bets on UK and top European leagues. Max free bet £10 per customer per day. Minimum odds. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plusbgumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. All right, Liverpool are impressive. Apart from that, who are the big winners for you, Duncan, of this midweek? Quite enjoyed the kind of new Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, you know, 3-0 Gareth, for them against Roma. 3-0. Um, could have been more. Gareth Bale looked like a man happy with where he was. Had six shots. Um, even Tony Cruz had four shots, which right. you can't imagine in uh, a year ago. Um, Isco scored from a direct free kick. It was the first ever direct free kick he's taken in the Champions League. Again, probably something you couldn't have imagined a year ago. So, yeah, that, right. they look quite refreshed. Speaking of six shots, there was also that attempt from Asensio, which sparked controversy. Asensio did an extraordinary... What would you call this move? It's just a turn. Spin. He just did a yeah, spin, a turn, taking yeah. the ball with him past two Roma defenders and then tried a no-look shot, which went straight into the keeper. Now, that's gone viral on social media, people talking about what a joy it is. Jules and, I've got to admit myself, take very much an opposite view on this. Isn't that right, Jules? Yeah, and James as well. Oh, does he? James was not no, happy I with was, me last I night. I was contrary to you guys <laughs> on this. I enjoyed it. I think you can completely go for that kind of skill when you're 3-0 up at the Bernabeu and you're having so much joy. And I'd much, I'd much prefer to see someone um, attempt that and uh, and pull it off because it would it would just be so much more memorable also, than, for example, doing the spin and then not a no look pass and scoring. Nah. If you do the spin, no look pass and score, you do a no look shot got, when you it, score a goal. It's also a good skill to develop as well. I mean, Firmino is the master of no look, and he nearly lost an eye last weekend. So you know, eventually he might be able to play football blind, which will be helpful. <laughs> That's an important point. I'm going to say that the, the term was wonderful, mm. but the whole coolness factor yeah. 
of the no-look pass is that you are saying, I can do this without even looking. If the shot doesn't work, you're saying, I can't do this without without looking, and I've just wasted a glorious opportunity James, to re- if it's If it's nil-nil in a knockout game, fair enough. If you're 3-0 up, you do it, you miss He doesn't look stupid. He does, of course he does. He was not happy. It has gone viral because people are saying this is an amazing piece of skill that you don't see every day of the week. The turn is, the spin is, not the no No football people Proper football people like me and The amazing thing about it... You're killing skill in this country, you guys. Way. No, we're when, not killing skill. He missed. Wait, he missed. How wait. can he be good? He missed. That's a straw man argument from James <laughs> Horncastle. We are not killing skill. The skill was the turn. We like the skill, Jules. Thank you. What we don't like is trying to score corners points off your opponent by saying, I don't even need he to missed. look to he score missed. a goal let, here. Let me... Oops, I do actually, and I've blown it. So on that one, he loses. Thank you very Excuse much. Excuse me. Mbappé. A, no, a no look finish is still a skill. I mean, it's yeah. not. It is still a skill. He, he didn't but score. He didn't. How okay. can it be a skill? So, so what was Roberto Baggio doing? Every time when he took a penalty, he'd look the other way. But it doesn't matter. If he doesn't score, if he doesn't score, you failed. Yeah. Your, your skill failed. If you do a step over, it's not a skill. It is a, it's failed. misdirection. Me failed. Come on. Misdirection is if what you, you If you hit a direct free kick and try and hit it under the wall and it doesn't work, try anyway, again. Ben will have played but this out some point. time ago. Anyway, listeners, while they're all discussing <laughs> that, you've probably got your own viewer. viewer if you haven't, go and seek it out because it's not hard to find on social media. Anyway, 3-0 win for Real Madrid. It could have been 4-0 if it hadn't been for a sense of silliness. <laughs> uh, but apart from them, uh, Barcelona, big 3-0 win for them over four, PSV. Four, four. four. Oh, sorry, yeah, four. Because three for Leo Messi, mm. which was terrific, but possibly even more impressive was the performance of Usman Dembele. Why, Jules? Yeah, great, great performance. He had a lot of uh, space to run into on the first goal, the free kick from Messi that he, that he got, and then scored a wonderful... Second goal with a skill that worked this time, you know, not mm. some people try skills and it don't work. They fell. He worked. And then a lovely finish. I mean, the he was frustrating season for him last year, his mm. first one in, in Catalonia, and this one has already started in a much better way. Looks a really scary, yeah. scary threat for I guess when Barcelona. you're world champion, you know, it helps. Yeah. World champion. Oh, yeah. Tick. So, uh, also successful this week, Bayern, who went to Benfica and won 2-0. The second... Uh, goal from them being greeted with this very polite round of applause and that was Renato Sanchez Renato Sanchez back from uh, exile in Wales and looking suddenly like a player again yeah you think this, it's almost a year since he passed to an advertising hoarding at Stamford Bridge by mistake and so it was good to see him back his first appearance since playing against Notts County back in uh, in the winter really yeah still only 20 years old 21 mm. yeah 21, he actually, is he? When he actually scored the goal, he was it was a no-look and he was trying to hit the advertising boarding and instead it went in. See? This is what happens. That's proper skill. <laughs> now, uh, anyway, Benfica had better uh, news in the second division of the Portuguese Women's League, whereas you probably saw their women's team claimed a victory over Ponte de Freas by the narrow margin of 28 goals to nil. What are they doing right. in the second Dangerous division? League, I don't know. It's a new team, so I think they started in the second yeah. division. Right. 28 goals and 11 misses for Benfica. <laughs> uh, sorry, don't go. Oh, my God. <laughs> is that a record? Is 28 nil, is that a record? No, 36 nil, is it? Who's 36? Is that, that like Samoa or... Oceania, no, somewhere that like was that? Preston, I think. Oh, really? Back in the back in the 19th century, yeah. Okay. Pre-Nets. But Australia, didn't Australia won 29 nil one yeah, day? Yeah, they beat uh, American Samoa, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, something like that, and they qualified mm. for the World Cup. Oh. Okay. Real Madrid, you were mentioning, got their post-Ronaldo era 
underway nicely. So did Juventus. <laughs> uh, their post-Ronaldo era coming after. He picked up a red card midway through the first half at Valencia. And James, uh, after all that talk of, of their new man, it was all about the old lady after that. It was indeed. I think there's been a, there's been a lot of talk about Ronaldo and, and little talk about Juventus. And I think they, they showed what they're all about and why they're a team that has be, been to the final twice in the last four years. I think it was a great show of character from Juventus against Valencia. Okay, a Valencia side that hasn't won yet in uh, La Liga and he's going through a bit of a transition but still they lost Sami Kadira to injury before Ronaldo got sent off they had four chances before they eventually got in front uh, from the penalty spot by by Pjanic they then lost Costa when they were down to 10 men to injury so which is good practice for the league where they'll be without <laughs> Costa for four uh, matches now with yeah. that suspension for spitting and everything else but I think um, when you go down to 10 men and you lose two of your three changes um, to injury so you, you're limited in the tactical kind of switches you can do in difficult circumstances I think really sort of testament to to uh how well that, that, how much character that team showed last night. Right, it's a team that's going to be facing Man United soon. Well, in two rounds' time. Next up, Man United. Uh, well, sorry, next up, Juve are going to be at Young Boys. Yeah. Uh, without Ronaldo, mm-hmm. uh, Ronaldo will probably also miss the trip to Old Trafford. Although they may appeal. I think they probably will appeal. Right. Yeah, you don't get an automatic two-match ban. It's one with a, you know, a decision on the second. With usually what, a second. Or what would you yeah. do if you were judging this for UEFA, Duncan? Um, I would say probably one it seems a slightly odd red card Mm. it wasn't a punch it wasn't a sort of palm off it was a sort of hair rub he grips Murillo's head he he kind of grips it kind of almost digs his fingers in but it's Mm. not I mean you shouldn't do it there's no place for that in the modern game (laughs) is it worse than spitting I don't know Uh, I would say not Uh, but anyway uh, Man United in that same group with a fine 3-0 victory away at Young Boys. Ooh, Pogba Jules. Can I say Pogba another 10 times? Oh, like yeah, last no. time I made you laugh. <laughs> right. No, I won't. I won't because things are much better. Yes. Now, obviously... Um, Was that his best performance for United? Yes, but against a, a, a very, very, very average team okay. on the plastic pitch and in a game where I think he walked pretty much most of that game and was still the best player on the pitch. So I don't think... In the same way as he doesn't like it when people judge him when they lose at Brighton and it's all his fault, I think he will be the first one to admit that he doesn't want people to judge him on a game like this where right. where he could play at 50% of his ability and still be the best player on the pitch by far. So it's great for him and for United, Martial getting on the score sheet as well. It would be very good for his confidence, Pogba mm. with the assist. But I think that was an easy game for Paul Pogba to be good in. You know, let's see. Right. Let's see in a much tougher let's game. Let's see against Wolves this weekend. Yeah, or even against then, you know, Juve and Valencia and those kind of games. Right. Daniel asks, has Jose finally found the balance between defence and attack at United and how important is having two genuine fullbacks in the team for the first time in ages rather than converts? Yeah, of course. I mean, Jogo Dalla, again, we would need a bit more because, I mean, James Horncastle would have been good for United in a game like that last night. You know, I think it was... It's because I'm you, a great player. Yeah, young boys with, you know, that... Poor, really, but it was good debut for 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 Diego Dalla, and and he's a proper proper right back. And Luke Shaw had a great game as well on the other side. So that it's always better to have two proper fullbacks because they've su- such a big part in in modern play now, mm. as we saw at Liverpool, for example, um, on Tuesday night. So that was good. But again, I I struggle a bit to take too much from a game like this. I think positive start for. Uh, Manchester United. The midweek will continue this Thursday evening with Europa League action. Rangers 
are up against Villarreal. Celtic are up against Rosenberg in the group which also sees the Red Bulls meet each other. Chelsea are in Greece to play pistol-packing Pauk, uh, and that's followed by Arsenal's game with Vorskler. Dirk Technik, I think, is the full name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know too much about them. But anyway, that's on the Thursday night, and traditionally we can't really talk they too have much. They have a Brazilian striker called Careca. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they oh, finished third. Of Do you know what Careca means in Portuguese? No. Bald. Really? Yeah, which is ironic because Careca, the, the it's a heavy, Yeah, it's a heavy yeah. name to carry, to be fair. Oh. <laughs> uh, now, uh, we'll be talking about that Premier League weekend after this. You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at RoyTheRoversOfficial.com. Maurizio Sarri sitting pretty on top of the Premier League, but could Chelsea's perfect start be in danger? Because this Sunday they travel to the East End to take on West Ham. Not only is it just three days after Chelsea have those exertions in the Europa League, but also West Ham, nice and refreshed, are coming off that massive performance away at Everton. They couldn't do Chelsea now, could they? Well, that's one of the questions that we put to our friend Benji Lanyado from the Stop Hammer Time podcast. I don't know if this is slightly rewriting history, but before the Everton game, I think the mood among a lot of West Ham fans was actually pretty sanguine and not that panicky, which is, is very unlike us. I, I think a lot of that has got to do with the Crystal Palace effect from last season. I think they've done a lot of teams and managers uh, a lot of favours by showing that you can lose your first seven games and finish 11th. And in the games that we lost, there were some positives. Arnautovic was scoring. Anderson looks like he, he could be fantastic. And we, we were probably the better team against Arsenal. Issa Diop looks like he could be excellent. Balbuena's come out of nowhere to look like a fairly solid Premier League defender. And I think having said all of that, the one thing that just didn't feel right and it's been you know well documented was, was the midfield and that was the biggest change against Everton. Benji, there was no Jack Wilshere in that Everton game and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks after having ankle surgery. Um, but you're all a bit excited about the next bright young thing of English football, Declan Rice. You quite like him, don't you? Uh, no, no, he's rubbish, Ben. Nothing to see here. Um, I'd recommend probably just not talking about him at all. I'll, I'll say privately to you, Ben, he, I mean, he genuinely, he really looks like he could be the real deal. And, and alongside his defensive work, his, his passing was pretty metronomic. He's been, he's been really impressive. And as an England fan, I'm, I'm personally pretty pleased that Gareth Southgate has been whispering in his ear and seems to have convinced him that he, he is an Irish. So it's good for all of us. He, he looks and plays a little bit like Eric Dyer already. Um, and I think that actually his ceiling could be a lot higher than, than Eric Dyer's. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. He's had a couple of fantastic games. So I think we've got to, we've got to wait and see. And Chelsea at the weekend, Benji, uh, haven't got too bad a record against them in recent seasons. That probably says more about Chelsea than, than it does West Ham. Um, Yarmolenko, or Yarmolenko, was, uh, was very good against Everton. Could he make the difference against the Blues? He's a funny, he's a funny looking player, isn't he? I mean, I still find his shape very disconcerting as a winger. You know, a six foot two bruiser on the wing. Against Everton, he showed how, how difficult that makes him to play against. Because I think fullbacks just aren't used to playing against wingers with that sort of strength and, and the skills to match. He could be a weapon. But whether he can make the difference against Chelsea, probably not. I mean, we beat them last season, but they were in a, a pretty stinky run of form. Whereas this current Chelsea incarnation is clearly a very different beast. I think over the last few years, Chelsea have scored the same goal against West Ham multiple times. And I predict we'll see this happen at least once on Sunday. Um, you know, we'll have a corner. We'll send one too many players up and forget all about Hazard or William or Pedro, whoever it is in the halfway line. 
The corner won't beat the first man. Everyone in the stadium will know what's about to happen. Within seconds, Chelsea will be at the other end and, and they'll have scored. Because however encouraging the result against Everton was, we still don't really have a single quick player in our defence or midfield. But anyway, if that goal doesn't happen on Sunday, I'll, I'll count it as progress. Benji Lanyardo, you can hear more of that kind of thing on the Stop Hammer Time podcast. Yeah, West Ham have lost both their home games so far. And Chelsea may be arriving off a trip to Greece, but Eden Hazard isn't because he was given the night off for Thursday because yeah. he was tired. And a couple of other players as well, oh, which yeah? I think which would be very good for them and not so good for West Ham because the form Hazard is in right now and we saw that against Cardiff last weekend would be worrying if you were a West Ham fan or West Ham defender. All right. All right. I mean, there's lots of positives. I mean, I know Benji's being cautious there, but Jan Molenko looking great. Arnautovic, fantastic, and a great relationship between the two. Uh, what do you think, Duncan? Is it madness to suggest that they could... Because they've got a great record. Uh, three of their last six Premier League home games against Chelsea, they've won. Yeah, they've got a pretty good recent record. They've got to come up against... Uh, we were talking about no-look finishes. They've got to come up against no-goal striker uh, Olivier Giroud, who actually does score a lot of goals against West Ham. So right. he you know, will be relishing that chance. I also think this is a very different Chelsea um in terms of style rather than personnel to the one that West Ham had success against over the last few years. Yeah, if you think back to last season's equivalent fixture, West Ham won 1-0 and it was really kind of, you know, the dark days of Conte sort of performance for Chelsea. And I think, you know, they're going for uh, six wins in a row to start the season, um, which would be the third time they've done it, which is would be a Premier League record. By the way, if you're at a mosque in the East End this Sunday, you might find yourself with an unexpected dinner guest. Is that right, Julian? Yeah, and Goro Conte, uh, in case maybe he was catching a train to go back home to Paris and missed it. When he, was this? So, so this was last weekend? Yeah, after the Cardiff game, he they had the Sunday off, so he was going to go home to Paris, missed the last Eurostar that he had a, ticket on so he thought what can I do now I'm, I'm going to go and pray so he looked for the nearest mosque on his phone in Google ended up praying there obviously worshippers there recognised him he had a chat with him invited him for a curry next door which he accepted went to eat a curry uh, someone that he he only met 30 minutes earlier mm-hmm. and then watched, much of the, watched himself on match of the day and his Chelsea team beating Cardiff in their front room in their front room before going home which Brilliant. I just think the the legend that is N'Golo Conte is even bigger now after a story like this. What an incredible man. Absolutely. OK, also playing on Thursday, and that's also playing in the Premier League on Sunday, are Arsenal, who will be taking on that Everton side, who were terrible against West Ham last weekend. And it could get worse this time around because Arsenal put five past Everton in both meetings last season. That's extraordinary. Duncan, more of the same this time? You would think so, I think. I mean, I think the the story that hasn't really emerged widely yet in the Premier League this season is Everson's defence, which is pretty bad. And Marco Silva particularly struggles with defence, it seems like. And I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that, you know, because Everton are looking better going forward, it's kind of masking that. Um, and away to Arsenal, uh, who seems to improve every game at the moment, could be a, a, a pretty tough game for them. Uh, Liverpool Saints. Saints, of course, so 2-0 up and then... 2-2 it finished in their clash Monday night with Brighton. Did you see this, Jules? Yes, I did, yeah. Uh, I'm in love with Glenn Murray. I just love the guy. Yeah? He's brilliant. Excellent. Uh, Brighton <laughs> will be worse. taking on Spurs. Do you fancy his chances against the tottering Tottenham? I just think he's a... I mean, he looks he looks sharper and fitter, although he's, what, 34, 35 now? Mm. I don't know. He looks like, you know, the, the sort of James Milner 
style of you get better or Zlatan Ibrahimovic you get better the older you get and I just think I would hate to play against someone who's strong but mobile and also very good on the ball you know his little flicks and the, the, the stuff he does I think yeah he's a really really interesting player I think if you're a big club and you're in bad form then going to the Amex is not always the easiest place to go we saw Brighton turn United over there not once but twice and pretty much their home form is what kept Brighton up last yeah. year mm. I think they had the eighth best home record in the league so Spurs watch out Spurs watch out Liverpool meanwhile do have an excellent record against Saints 3-0 and 2-0 uh, their victories in the two encounters last season no Ings presumably in this game because he's, he's on loan from Liverpool isn't yeah. he does that I mean no Van Dijk no Lovren no but <laughs> And maybe we finally we'll see some rotation from Klopp because it's been pretty incredible that in the the first five games he's only used twelve starters. But he's rotating in the Champions League because he had that small club PSG. So for a play yeah. storage, I'll, I'll actually... rest Naby Keita. It's fine. Just on the even su- that is not many rotations. <laughs> just to just on the subject of that, Mo Salah's form has dropped off somewhat. Only the one goal so far this season, and, and one of Liverpool's worst performers, I think, uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, Peter Dobson saying Harry Kane's. Taking loads of stick for his poor form, no. Uh, but Mo Salah seems to be getting away with it with the same return. Is this simply the fact that Liverpool are winning and Spurs aren't, or doesn't Salah deserve some stick as well? Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, the chance he missed against Spurs, you know, when he got that ball, that terrible ball from Dyer, uh, that's that's the chance that he would have scored every single time, every single week last season. And whether he's not as fresh because of the World Cup, although they didn't go that far, you know, and and the pressure of trying to match last season's performances that he had I don't know but yeah he looks out, out of the pace a little bit I have to say yeah he's definitely missed a lot of good chances this mm. season did one against Leicester as well there was yeah, a bit of consternation true. in midweek when he took his shirt off and you know you could see his shoulder the famous shoulder was still strapped up so yeah I mean well you know, seasons after World Cups are always a little bit different and I think yeah, we're seeing evidence of that what about Fabinho Jules your favourite player yeah I mean he, he came on against PSG for I think the last 30 seconds or something which would be his debut um, I would like to see him this week, and I think I think Klopp will rotate the team. Uh, you know, he has to, especially with the runs of game coming after that with Chelsea twice, Napoli and City. So it would be, I think, a good game at home as well to start playing Fabinho, uh, and maybe the little cam- the mini cameo he had against PSG was for that. Um, but Klopp told him to work hard, that he would get his chance, that the team was playing well and winning. I mean, that midfield of Wijnaldum, Milner, and Naby Keita. I'm not so keen on Jordan Henderson, but I lead the other three. It's hard for anyone to get into that midfield three anyway. So I think Fabinho understands that and he would get a chance and he would have to take it then. Inspired by the common touch of N'Golo Kante, we're going to be mixing with the ordinary people this coming Monday. That's right, 24th of September. I can't believe it either. It's all happening at the Queen Elizabeth Hall... Duncan, you'll be there. I will. Available for curries. Absolutely. James <laughs> Horncastle bringing the velvet rope. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be there too. You can be there, listener. Come on down. Not that many tickets left, but southbankcentre.co.uk might be able to sort you out as long as your party's not more than, say, 300 mm. in size. Uh, Friday the 5th of October... We're in Manchester. James, you're along for that one. Daniel Story and Rory Smith of The New York Times will be rocking the Royal Northern College of Music. See tickets for your ticketing needs. In fact, I'm about to go and chat about those live shows on TalkSport Radio 
Duncan, do you know who I'm going to be chatting to? I don't. Max Rushton. Oh. Isn't it curious? That is curious. How life works. So, uh, so there you go. I'm looking forward to that. Max being a lovely chap, as well as a broadcasting legend. Here's a question for you, Duncan. Alex says the NHL has something called the second assist, whoever passes the buck to the person assisting the goal. If the Premier League adopted this rule, who would lead the list? David Silver? Now, some people have been suggesting that the Premier League does have this rule and it's what you call key passes. Can you just explain? No, a key pass is just a pass that leads to a shot. So it's like an assist that isn't a goal. Essentially. Okay, so it doesn't have to. Right. No, but there are, we did start collecting second assists um, for MLS. Oh, did you? The MLS, as some people like to call it, mm. um, because it is a big thing in American sport. Um, it's kind of been superseded now by some more complicated metrics. Oh, goody. Yeah, we can, you can, you know, it's a way of seeing who who made the pass before an assist, but now we can go a bit deeper than that. But his sometimes the second assist, well, yeah, sometimes the second assist is actually far much better than the assist itself. Particularly if it's a no look. If you think about the, if you think, for example, about the, the big chance that Aubameyang missed against Chelsea for Arsenal, yeah. the ball from Ganduzi to Bellerin was extraordinary. Right. And then the cross from Bellerin is a cross. An assist because Aubameyang should have scored, but anyone could have crossed that ball. Yeah, was the ball you from Ganduzi was far harder to pick mm. and to execute than the cross by Bellerin. For you example. can you can take that logic further and further back though, can't you? I mean, there's sometimes so the much, key though. pass that unlocked something was maybe even the keeper. Mm. You know? Yeah, but if you further you know if you're further out on the pitch, that that, may, that might make a difference because you could break the line with a pass, mm. but it's still not. They're only, yeah, and they're only given when it's a, you know a, a pass that is a key part of a yeah. goal. It's not just the any pass before an assist. What's so. what's been the the biggest talking point at Opta Towers so far this season? What's been the thing that's had you boffins kind of throwing reams of paper up in the air and kind of shouting excitedly <laughs> as the ticker tape churns out of that big computer you have in the corner? Uh, well, we don't use paper because that would be very uh, 1998. Damn. So. Um, You're like from the future, Duncan. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Have a think about yeah. that. While well, I just burble on for a second about Scottish football, where Hearts are, as I think we mentioned on Monday, five points clear. You can hear all about the hows and whys uh, on the Scottish, totally Scottish football show with Andrew Slaven. Goladso, as we mentioned, is also available and there's the Totally Football League show. On the subject of continental football, before we round up the rest of the Premier League, what, what would be your big match to look forward to this weekend in Europe, Jules? Oh, the Olympico on Sunday, Lyon, ah. on the back of that incredible win at City, host Marseille. Right. Sunday night, which would be pretty cool. Marseille, if you haven't seen it, Dimitri Payet with a, a wonderful goal on Sunday night. Um, okay, the keeper had a touch on it, but it's a volley from 30, 30 yards, 35 yards, first time volley as well, mm. which is remarkable. And Marseille doing well. They're in the Europa League behind closed door against Frankfurt tonight. Okay. No fans at all at the Velodrome, which right. would be weird, which is actually cool to watch on TV because you can hear everything the players say. So you could hear, you will hear Rudy Garcia shouting on Adil Rami, who, by the way, rumours that Pamela might have gone. Oh, really? They're no longer together? Yeah, I've, I was told. We're not sure yet. but So you would hear Garcia talking to anyone because there's no fans, obviously, and nothing, which is, I think it makes it cool to watch. Nice. Mm. OK. Um, in Italy, the big game, Sampdoria Inter. Mm. Samp fresh from a 5-0 win over Frosinone. They drew last night against Fiorentina. Of course. 1-1. Mm. Uh, but yeah, check in on this because they're playing Inter fresh from that goal-gasm caused by uh, Matthias Fasino. So... Mm. Yeah, this is usually a good one, and I would say that uh, Marco Giampaolo is very much uh, the next Maurizio Sadi in terms of the kind of football that his teams play, so nice. they're always exciting. If you like your football from abroad, 
Duncan, you might enjoy Man City's next game, which is in Wales against uh-huh. Cardiff. Pep will be back on the touchline across from uh, Neil Warnock, of course. Is this a bad time to face City, you know, wounded wounded beasts and that? Well, well, there was obviously the thing from last season when they played each other in the FA Cup and Cardiff got a little bit rough and Guardiola got very angry and called on referees to protect players. That's so right. There were scenes outside the dressing room. Definite scenes. And um, I think it'll be interesting to see what approach Cardiff take to this. I think, knowing Neil Warnock, it might be... Uh, the same again. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Slight curiosity on Saturday afternoon, actually, yeah. is Man City, Liverpool and Manchester United are all playing at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon in what people like to think of as a traditional time slot. That's the first time that's happened for six years. Really? Yeah. That is um, interesting. Liverpool get, uh, will be playing uh, Southampton. Man United's game is against Wolves, one of the... One of the more positive stories of this opening part of the season. They've had three clean sheets in a row, uh, Nuno uh, Spirito Santo's team, since that 1-1 draw with City, in which, of course, they were pretty impressive. United, though, have been on a real run since the defeat against Spurs. Three straight victories. What's going to happen here, James? Well, I'm quite intrigued to see if uh, Mourinho maybe goes to mirror this this Wolves side, which what play 3-4-3. Um, we've seen that Wolves are completely unafraid uh, of, of taking on teams. You mentioned that uh, that clean sheet record that they've got, but they're they're very bold in the, in their approach. We saw that against against City. Um, so I don't think they'll be particularly phased uh, by by going to Old Trafford. Yes, this is a kind of newly promoted side, but it's a side that's got Champions League experience um, in it with uh, Moutinho and Ruben Neves. So, so I I, th- I think this is going to be probably the game of the weekend. Really? Yeah. Nice. I think, I think this will be where the main storylines come from. United, by the way, managed to lose to all three promoted sides last season. And they've lost three of the last five games after a Champions League trip. We'll have uh, Adam Bate, noted Wolves fan, along to uh, discuss whatever happens there at Old Trafford uh, on Monday. Fulham taking on Watford, which would be interesting for Fulham's manager... Jokanovic, who he where he got Watford promoted, and then they told him off you go, chum. He didn't feel like he was wanted anymore. Really? Yeah, after getting them up. Yeah. Wanted a new deal, though, no? Well, yeah, there is that, was, there is that as well. That, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Anyway, so that'll be a fun game. Burnley are up against Bournemouth in the clash of the two longest-serving managers in the Premier League. And where was Eddie before he started his incredible run at uh, the Cherries? Second incredible run at the Cherries. Second incredible. Yeah, but he it, had a brief trip to Burnley. He was at Burnley himself. He's currently got Bournemouth in fifth place going into this. Burnley, meanwhile, a bottom of the pile. Yeah, Burnley. I mean, Burnley last season kind of broke a lot of uh, models in the sense that, you know, if you looked at the numbers, they didn't look like they should be where they were. You know, they scored fewer goals than games they played last season, but still came seventh. This year, it's like the chickens have come home to roost a bit. They've already um, conceded 103 shots, which is more than anyone else. And they're on course, if they keep up this rate, to basically break the Premier League record for shots allowed in a season, um, which will be more, the record currently is Ian Holloway's Blackpool. Um, so, yeah, it's not looking good. They need to sort that out. Wow. When you concede even more shots than that Blackpool side, you're in trouble. Palace are up against Newcastle. Jules, are you still predicting Palace to go down? I still predict a tough season for them. OK, so it's changing a little bit there. No. The Alan Pardew Memorial Derby this. Uh, we spoke about the importance of Zaha, as did everyone, on Monday. Eight goals in the last ten in the Premier League. 
and people kicking him up in the air as a result. Is that what Newcastle are going to be doing, James? I think that's what Newcastle do, hasn't it? Isn't it a little to bit under Japanese? Well, not kick people up in the air, but they make it very difficult. They're very compact and mm. they like to uh, have quite a conservative approach in contrast to the one that we spoke about with Wolves earlier. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, this is maybe the start where Benitez will be looking at things and the fixture list is evening out for them. They had a very tough start. Maybe this will be where they're looking to get... You don't see this as a tough game away at Selhurst Park? I think it's one that Newcastle kind of have to look at as as a winnable game. Um, Given their their circumstances, they have to be going to teams like Palace and and trying to get something. Also struggling down the wrong end, Huddersfield, who will be visiting Leicester, uh, which is probably good news for Leicester, given the way that Huddersfield have started. They haven't won in nine games. Goalless again last weekend. Hey, the big story in Yorkshire, of course, is... Down the road in Leeds. Mm-hmm. Top of the table now, James, under Marcelo Bielsa. Jules, yeah, Bielsa, you're a big Bielsa fan, no? Yeah, he replaced the blue cooler with a blue bucket. A bucket, they yeah, put yeah. upside down to sit on. And having an incredible impact there with young players. I think it's easier for Marcelo Bielsa to implement his philosophy and what he wants with younger, maybe unproven players, a bit like he did at Athletic Bilbao, than maybe with like, you know, more experienced senior players who maybe don't want to run as much as he wants them or don't want to do my man marking like he wants them to do. And it's wonderful to see, you know, what, and they've got some really, really good youngsters coming through as well at Leeds. Very nice. 3-0 over Preston. That's now eight games unbeaten. Sorry, I was talking about Leicester-Huddersfield before that. On to Leeds. Uh, that should be all right for Leicester, no? Should be. I mean, Huddersfield just, as you said, can't score, which in football is not good, um, generally. Uh, and yeah, Leicester, I mean, Leicester are constantly in a state of, is Claude Puel under pressure? And they've lost their last two, so I think Claude Puel he might back be under pressure. Is that right, Jules? Yeah, he was not happy at all after the, especially the first half at Bournemouth, mm. which they were really dire. Indeed. Well, before we go today, listeners, let's, as is traditional, get the odds on some of this weekend's fixtures over to producer Ben, who's been speaking to Paddy Power. Thank you, Jim. It's Lee Price from Paddy Power on the line. Lee, the Champions League took centre stage this midweek. Um, Contrasting fortunes for Liverpool and Man City. Can you get the odds, please, on their prospects for winning the tournament overall? Yeah, despite that first match defeat, Man City remain our favourites at 11-2, but they're now joined at that price by Barcelona. Liverpool perhaps surprisingly a bit further back in the betting. They're behind Juve and Bayern, and you can get 15-2 for the Reds, the same price as Real Madrid. United are a massive long price at 22-1, and Tottenham 40-1, but still better odds than Inter despite losing to them. And this weekend, Man City are taking on Cardiff, and I fear for Cardiff in this one. What are the odds on five or more goals here? Perhaps appropriately, it's five to one uh, that there's five or more goals in this match. We're actually odds on that City score at least three goals. So that looks really feasible. Spurs are in a rotten run of form at the moment. Three defeats in a row. Poch under a bit of pressure here. Can Brighton make it four? I like the look of Brighton. They're just seven to two to beat Spurs, which is a lot shorter than it would usually be. And you mentioned Poch there. The odds on him being the next boss sacked in the Premier League have halved, but it's still 40 to one. Last but not least, let's look down to the championship. Leeds, they're like a house on fire. Are they going up finally? Yeah, they're going to burn this place down. They're the five to four favourites to go up and they're favourites for the title as well. We can't see anything stopping them at the moment unless they get knackered. And you can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only. Be gambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. We will return on Monday. 
with Raphael Honigstein, Michael Cox, Adam Bate, and Melissa Reddy. So it's a full lineup, getting ourselves warmed up for our date with you, listener, if you're coming to join us Monday evening at the South Bank Centre. You got anything special this weekend, Duncan? No, just more football, more numbers. More football. Yeah. Right. James, Jules? I've been invited to um, FIFA Football Conference where Didier Deschamps will have a Q&A and stuff with other national team head coaches uh-huh. ahead of the FIFA The Best ceremony on Monday night where he's, in, he's been nominated for Manager of the Year, like Zinedine Zidane, for example. So I'll be there on Sunday morning and then on Monday night while you have your wonderful live show, I'll be uh, next door. Right, in the smaller room. In the smaller room. Yeah. Uh, with not as many stars as you, clearly, on uh, on the panel. Right. Uh, to see who uh, is crowned Best Manager of the Year by FIFA and Best Player of the Year as well. Right. Uh, it would, what would it be like for you if Didier Deschamps wins Manager of the Year? How, how much will that <laughs> stick in your throat? I mean, I, I want him to... I want him to... It's either him or Zidane anyway, so it would be a French guy, whatever happens. Yeah. Um, so we should... But Deschamps, Manager of the Year? I'm World Cup champion, you know, yeah. only third man in history to win the World Cup as a player and a manager. I know, I'm just remembering when, for example, Italians wanted Brazil to win in 94 rather than see Saki come home. with. Yeah, them. but <laughs> no, we're not that bad. I'm, it's still not my cup of tea, the, the kind of football he's playing, but I, yeah. I, he has to, I have to give him credit, and not just me, but everyone else for yeah. leading that team where they were. Absolutely. All right, then. Let's hope you have a good weekend, listener, and make the choice to join us again on Monday for all your footballing chat needs on the Totally Football Show. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the revamped Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the brand new Totally Scottish Football Show. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing. But then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.